Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. It's great to have you back for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We cover all of Texas, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A major Texas High Plains cattle industry event that was a scratch last year due to COVID is scheduled to make its return in April. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. There's another option for cattle raisers looking to diversify. I'm Jessica Domel and I have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. The top private farmland owner in America hails from Washington State. It's Bill Gates of Microsoft fame. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farmers across Texas are getting ready for the 2021 growing season. Some are in pretty good shape to start this year, while others are not. Scott Stanislav is a technical agronomist for DeKalb, Asgrow, and Delta Pine in South Texas. Scott, how are conditions looking down in the Rio Grande Valley to start the year? So here in the middle of January, as we sit, the Rio Grande Valley has been exceptionally dry, unfortunately, for a good while now. I was looking here just recently, and over the last three or more months, they've received very little rainfall, so they're not set up in a good situation. Uh, they're probably five, six inches behind normal for that time, so it's it's pretty dry down there. It looks like corn acres will probably be down uh, due to the amount of dry land acres that are in the Rio Grande Valley, and right now it's really pointing at sorghum and cotton. Well, Scott, I know you also cover the Coastal Bend area of Texas. How are things shaping up in that region of the state? You know, the Coastal Bend uh, here recently has received some pretty good rainfall and are in a, in a pretty decent shape from a subsoil moisture standpoint in, in most areas, that is. And so much of the same like the Rio Grande Valley really seems like the crop mix this year for the Coastal Bend is really pointing towards a lot of grain sorghum as well as a lot of cotton. So almost kind of a half and half split. And Scott, let's wrap it up by talking about the upper Gulf Coast. So the upper Gulf Coast, you know, typically receives a lot more rainfall, or at least in the area that I cover receives the most rainfall year over year. And they're sitting in a really, really good spot right now from a moisture standpoint. It's might actually need some time to dry out to be able to get some final field prep done in the upper Gulf Coast of Texas. And here with kind of this late surge in commodity prices, we probably could see some more soybeans than what we've seen in recent years up in the upper Gulf Coast of Texas, as well as a good mix of corn, cotton, and sorghum. Scott Stanislav, technical agronomist for DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine in South Texas. A major Texas High Plains cattle industry event that was canceled last year due to COVID is scheduled to make a comeback in April. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
The annual Hempel County Beef Conference, hosted by Texas A&M AgriLife, is a major draw, bringing hundreds of livestock producers from all around the country to Canadian Texas. But last year, the conference had to be canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. Well, with expectations that the coronavirus situation will be greatly improved by then, the Beef Conference is scheduled to make its return this year on April 27th and 28th as an event for people to attend in person. And Hempel County Extension agent Andy Holloway is very happy to say that the conference lineup of speakers still includes former Trump press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She'd be here to speak and then she'll also be here to sign her new book that she's just written that I understand is a bestseller. And Sarah will speak right after lunch on that first day from one o'clock to two. And she's going to be talking about living inspired and restoring the roots. And while Sanders is a major attraction, obviously, Holloway says the conference will also feature expert presenters discussing a wide range of cattle business topics, including marketing, genetics, range management, and sustainability. Holloway also says 74 vendors are expected to be at the conference trade show. It exposes their services and products and things that they have so that these ranchers are on the cutting edge of all the things that are available. And for those who cannot attend the conference, Holloway says there will be a virtual option. Tickets for the Hempel County Beef Conference coming up April 27th and 28th in Canadian are $125. Contact the Hempel County Extension Office for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's another option for Texas cattle producers looking to diversify. Maybe try bison. Jessica Domel has more. Today we are joined by Donis Baggett. He raises bison in Bryan and is president of the National Bison Association. He says cattle ranchers looking to diversify should consider bison. First of all, bison are very hardy and they're very self-sufficient. We only work them one time a year. We don't get them in the corral, but about one time a year. In that one working, we will vaccinate, we'll worm, we'll ear tag, we'll sort off the heifer calves that we're selling, we'll sort off the two-year-old bulls that we're selling, and by noon that day, we're pretty much done for the year on the corral work. That's a good thing. I don't want to work them any more than that if I can help it. The other thing is that if you have limited acreage, and that's most of us, well, if you can grow the same number of bison on that two to 300 acres as you can beef cows, and the bison carcass is worth twice what a beef carcass is, do the math. That's an advantage. And then the third thing is the agritourism. There is a cool factor to bison that people really like. They like the environmentalism of bison because they are four-legged stewards of the rangelands and they churn that soil and they, they leave their nutrients behind and it becomes a carbon sink. So they're very green animal to raise and they don't require as much human intervention. Those are the factors of what we call the bison advantage. There is a growing market for bison in the United States. It's not an obvious market, but yes, there is a good market. We get a lot of inquiries from people that are getting into the business that want to buy breeding stock. If your name is out there and if word of mouth is working on your behalf and you have a website and you do some marketing, yeah, you can sell the breeding stock. As far as the meat, some producers go gate to plate. They'll process their own animals and sell their own meat. And others choose to sell it to a middleman and just let them handle all the headaches from there on. We do the latter. 
because we don't have a processor nearby that, that can do it anymore. And that's taken a lot of stress and stuff off of us, which is a good thing. And we're able to concentrate more on our breeding stock and on our agritourism. Baggett says there are several things that ranchers can and should do if they're interested in diversifying and adding bison to their operation. Well, the first thing to do is to pay a visit or two or three to people that are in the industry. I don't know of a single area of agriculture that is more welcoming than the bison industry. Our people are always, whether it's the National Bison Association or the Texas Bison Association, we're always eager and willing to help people learn more about it, to show them around our operations, and to kind of take them under our wing if they decide they do want to go forward with it and help them take those first steps that they need to take. So the best way to do that then is to go to texasbison.org or bisoncentral.com, which whether you're doing the Texas or the national, and ask for some help. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The top owner of farmland in America isn't a farmer, but he is a very rich guy that you've probably heard of. Gary Joyner takes a look. The topic of farmland is always of interest. Farmland is critical to our nation's security. Any news about the resource is worth a look. We know Texas has the most farmland of any state in the nation, just over 29 million acres. That represents more than 17% of all state land. The most valuable crops produced on Texas farmland are cotton, corn, hay and haylage, sorghum and wheat. Thanks to recent headlines, we now know the name of the top private farmland owner in America. It's Bill Gates of Microsoft fame. Surprised? His farmland ownership is 242,000 acres in 18 states, according to the Land Report. His largest holdings are in Louisiana, Arkansas, and Nebraska. The report indicates Gates does not own any farmland in Texas. Let's hope that nearly quarter million acres of land owned by Gates is being used productively. Farmland is a precious resource that we can never take for granted. It must be stewarded and used wisely. Once it's converted and lost, it never returns. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Department of Agriculture has updated the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program to provide relief to more producers. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The new CFAP 2.1 includes expanded eligibility for certain commodities and producers established in the recently passed relief package. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Neview says the expansion includes contract growers of broilers and hogs. The biggest one is going to be contract broiler producers as well as contract hog producers. These folks were left out of the original because there was a provision that required ownership of the commodity because of the nature of raising an animal under contract for somebody else. They happen to be left out of that. They also specify things like turf grass sod, as well as included some additional top-up payments for swine producers. Nevue says USDA has designated funding for specific commodities and producers. Contract broilers got the biggest chunk, almost $1.5 billion. Now that's only going to cover their loss from 2019 to 2020 and only up to 80%. Contract hogs have had about $480 million set aside. Then they have another 150 for those top-up payments for swine producers. After that, the rest of them break out between about 30 
to 40 million for fruits, vegetables and nuts, pullets, turf grass sod and dried eggs. Producers can apply for the CFAP 2.1 relief now through February 26. You can apply through your local FSA center. Additionally, they are going to have, if you need one-on-one assistance, a phone line set up that producers can call at 877-508-8364. Find a full analysis of the CFAP 2.1 program at fb.org slash market intel. Michael Clements, Washington. The intersection of white-tailed deer habitat and urban and suburban areas can create some problems. Tom Nicoletti has more coming up in today's Wildlife Report. And toxoplasmosis is a disease carried by cats that can infect people, but there are ways to prevent that infection. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Toxoplasmosis is a disease carried by cats that can infect people, but there are ways to prevent that infection. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips. On the last program, I talked about the protozoal organism toxoplasmosis and the concerns of humans becoming infected. Today, I have some tips from Dr. Scott Weiss to prevent human infections. And in most cases, it is not necessary to get rid of your pet cats, even if you are pregnant or immunocompromised. It is recommended to keep your cats indoors, do not allow them to hunt, and do not feed raw meat, as many infections are related to the organism being present in the meat of rodents or other animals. Feces should be removed from the litter box twice daily, which prevents the organism from becoming infective. And keep high-risk immunocompromised people or pregnant women away from the litter box if possible. If these individuals must clean the litter box, be sure and wear gloves and a mask. And do not wash the litter box in sinks that may be used by high-risk individuals. And wash the litter box periodically in hot water. Always dispose of cat litter in sealed bags and do not dispose of cat litter outside, but deposit in the municipal waste as organisms in the feces can be infectious. Some cats, especially those with long hair, may have fecal staining on the hair coat, and this should be cleaned regularly, but not by an immunocompromised individual. Also, it's a good idea to routinely clip excessive hair around the anal area of long-haired cats to limit fecal staining. In almost all cases, it is not necessary to remove a cat from a household of an immunosuppressed or pregnant individual as long as these tips are followed. Although the infection rate is low, the possibility of infection should be taken very seriously. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The intersection of white-tailed deer habitat and urban and suburban areas can create some problems. Tom Nicoletti has more in today's Wildlife Report. Horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo joins me again to continue talking about options to reduce damage to landscapes and property from wildlife, especially deer. You could also try some of the repellents. There are 
some that are prepared that you can purchase at a nursery that you spray on plants. And for a short period of time, a couple of weeks, it can keep them from munching some of these and some home remedies like pepper sprays and all that. But those are very temporary at best. When it's really hot, dry, or there's not enough food source or and there's an overpopulation situation, these are not going to work. Now, another option is to choose plants that are not resistant to deer because nothing is really resistant to them, but tolerant to them. In other words, not a preferred plant. And there are lists available. Usually counties have deer tolerant plants listings, but you can always find that at Aggie Horticulture on the web. And certainly the encroachment on human habitat in neighborhoods and on highways close to subdivisions has created a problem on the highways. It has. It's a safety issue now, and we see a lot of places wrestling with this. In the hill country, the city of Bernie and some of these others have had some good luck in relocation, but at the end of the day, we have those that are in neighborhoods that enjoy watching them and feeding them, and so all the does have twins and keep raising more and more, and we're getting to an overpopulation so sooner or later, we're going to have to wrestle with some of these issues that uh, it is, first of all, a safety issue, and second, just a habitat issue. Those comments again from uh, horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We saw another higher close on Thursday in the cattle market, and the cotton market just continues to climb. We'll take a closer look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, it has been a great week for both the cattle and cotton markets. The cattle market has been climbing all week, taking back a lot of the losses that we saw last week. We wrapped up the trade on Thursday with a higher close in both live and feeder cattle futures. February live cattle up 75 cents, 114.10. The April knocking on the door of 120, it was up $1.70 at 119.95. June live cattle up 97 cents, 117.12. The feeder market recovering nicely as we move back toward 140 on many contracts. January feeders up 57 cents, 135.87. The March up $1.62 at 139.15. April feeder cattle up $1.25, 141.87. The cash fed cattle market saw some activity most of the trade here in the South at 110 to 111 on a live basis. When you look up north, you see live sales at 109, dress sales 172 to 173. Boxed beef prices higher on Thursday. Choice up 248 at 221.39. Select up 301 210.19. Let's check the auction markets now. Lamb Passes Cattle Auction in Lamb Passes, Texas. 436 heads sold this week. 
the trend was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar twenty-three to a dollar seventy-eight. Four to five weight steers a dollar thirty-nine to a dollar seventy. Five to six hundred pounders a dollar thirty-four to a dollar sixty-two, and six to seven weight steers a dollar twenty-four to a dollar thirty-six a pound. Slaughter cows forty to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls forty to eighty-six. Stocker cows six hundred to a thousand dollars a head. Cow calf pairs eight fifty to twelve fifty a pair. Caldwell Livestock Commission in Caldwell, Texas, had eight hundred twenty-seven heads sold. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers a dollar fifty-one to a dollar ninety-seven. Three to four weights a dollar fifty-five to two ten. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar forty-seven to a dollar eighty. Five to six weight steers a dollar thirty-five to a dollar fifty-five. Six to seven hundred pounders a dollar thirty to a dollar forty-four. And the seven to eight weight steers a dollar fifteen to a dollar thirty-four pound. Slaughter cows thirty to fifty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls sixty to eighty-seven. Stocker cows five hundred to nine hundred a head. Cow calf pairs eight hundred to eight seventy-five a pair. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close mixed. February hogs down 32, 68.10. The April up 82 cents, 73.90. Class 3 milk was mixed. January milk up a penny, 16.19. February milk down 70 cents at 16.43 a hundredweight. The cotton market just continues to climb. Triple-digit gains on most of our contracts Thursday. The big factor in this market seems to be the value of the U.S. dollar. Traders are believing that all of the stimulus money the government is printing is pressuring the dollar lower. And, of course, a lower dollar means more cotton exports, and that helps prices. March cotton up 98 points, 82.57. May cotton up 100 points, 83.50. The new crop December finally knocking on the door of 80 cents. It was up 109 points to close at 79.04. Not a lot of action in the wheat market on Thursday. A fairly quiet trade. Of course, we're still sitting here at six-year highs, well above $6, but not much going on in the market, so prices are drifting lower. July Kansas City wheat down three quarters, 638 and a half. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, 647 and three quarters. The corn market closed narrowly mixed with the old crop contracts higher, the new crop slightly lower. March corn up two and a quarter, five twenty-four and a quarter. September corn up a penny, four seventy-two and three quarters. While the December dropped a quarter penny, four forty-eight and three quarters. Let's check the energy markets now. February natural gas down three cents, two fifty. March crude oil down twenty-eight, fifty-three oh three a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up forty-six points at thirty-one thousand two forty. The Nasdaq up 95, 13,552. The S&P 500 up 8, 3,860. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today, 
is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.